welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am joined by James Orsini, who is the Chief Operating Officer at VaynerMedia. James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. This is so cool. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. So what James is doing now, James is working alongside founder and CEO Gary Vaynerchuk, one of my favorite people. Uh, James helps manage the agency for success. Uh, you initially served as the uh, Chief Integration Officer when you first joined the team. And now yeah. you're o- now you're overseeing... I've heard between 750 and 800. Are that's you- right. That's uh, the last count was about 803. Wow, that's mm-hmm. crazy. What was it? Just out of curiosity, what was it like a year ago? I joined uh, in uh, January of 2015, right. and it was uh, about 360 employees. So wow. uh, we now have uh, 800, more than 800 across six offices, uh, including so our first international footprint in London. I think it'll be good to kind of start at the beginning. You've had over 30 years of finance and operations experience. And uh, I think we can kind of get into like the logistics of like what that means and everything. But tell yeah. me about your journey leading up to VaynerMedia. I know you worked with Interbrand, Saatchi and Saatchi, Goldman Sachs. I started as a public accountant. I was an auditor. One of uh, uh, my clients was actually Siegel and Gale, a branding company that was owned by Saatchi and Saatchi at the time. And I said I could really uh, picture myself in an environment like this. Um, I left uh, to go to work uh, for um, Goldman Sachs because that is what uh, what people did in the 80s. They went to Wall Street to try and chase some money, yep. uh, and I did. And uh, I wasn't uh, um, uh, while I had a successful couple of years. I was actually there for Black Monday, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, I remember a scary, a scary incident uh, where uh, the market was crashing in '87, wow. uh, and um, I. Uh, uh, stood there, and then I got a phone call from a guy I used to work with at KPMG, and he said, "Hey James, I'm over here with the Saatchi brothers, and they just bought a single public relations firm in New York called Roland at the time. It's right. now part of the uh, MSNL group." And he said, "If you leave Goldman Sachs someday, you'll be the CFO of that worldwide company that we will build. But you got to leave Goldman." And it wasn't what guys were doing in the '80s. People were coming to Goldman, not many were leaving. Right? Yeah, uh, that's a crazy I, move. Yeah, it was a crazy move, uh, and uh, I took a shot, uh, uh, much to the chagrin of my boss. It was it was so unheard of that my boss from Goldman Sachs actually asked to speak to the to the new boss to make sure I wasn't making a mistake. Wow! Uh, I left, and uh, within uh, five years, uh, we built the fifth largest public relations firm in the world. Um, yep. uh, you know, and uh, uh, we were. Um, servicing uh, uh, more than 31 offices in 26 countries. And uh, I was a global CFO uh, before I was uh, 30. Wow. So, uh, so the promise uh, did come to pass. Um, uh, that company is now part of the MSNL group in the Publicis uh, portfolio where it got merged in. Yep. Uh, I stood there for a little more than 10 years and uh, was ready for a change and got a call. Um, Actually, when, when Saatchi was purchased by Publicis, I figured, you know what, this is a good time. If I'm going to have a new boss, why not pick a boss rather than uh, be right. told who my boss would be? Totally. Uh, and I went to work uh, for Interbrand, um, one of the uh, best uh, global uh, branding companies in the world. Very similar footprint uh, to, uh, to the PR firm that I was doing. Um, and we, uh, um, I stood there for, I was their global CFO for four years. Uh, and I was going to leave because I really felt that I was always a much better businessman than I ever was accountant. Right. And I really felt it was time to spread my wings into operations. 
And they, uh, much uh, to, to uh, my pleasure, they said, you know what, James, don't leave. We'll create something for you here. Uh, and there was a guy there by the name of David Martin, who was uh, the North American president. And he said, listen, I, I don't have a CEO title. He said, but why don't you come here, be my chief operating officer, and together we'll be the office of the CEO. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and it worked out really well. We were hugely successful. Within the first uh, 18 months, we grew revenue by 20%, profits by 60%, picked up four margin points. Wow. Uh, we ran something called a um, uh, center of excellence model, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with the uh, uh, big strategy and branding out of New York. Uh, Boutique design out of San Francisco, uh, packaging out of uh, out of our offices in Ohio, uh, some digital stuff out of our office in Toronto, uh, and it was very successful. Well, fast forward, um, the phone rings and uh, it is uh, Sachi. I, I recognize the caller ID, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, Sachi's calling. And, uh, and now much look- more well known, Sachi's calling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so they said to me, you know. Um, at the time, uh, Saatchi's largest client was Procter and Gamble, and, and uh, Interbrand's largest client was uh, was P and G. And you know, we started um, uh, smashing together in the hallways <laughs> down in uh, in Cincinnati. So, uh, and we we were pretty successful at Interbrand in taking some uh, uh, some sh- high end strategy work that may have gone otherwise to uh, to uh, you know an advertising company rather than a branding company yeah for sure. so so the call was hey listen can you do what it is that you're doing over there over here right. you know we had a, they had a new ceo they had a new chief creative officer at the time that was uh, mary baglevo and tony granger mm-hmm. and they said we're looking for a third leg of a stool you know that could uh, that could come here so I said, uh, hey, you guys know that I worked there before, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're like, no. I said, yeah, like, look, I wasn't in Saatchi advertising. You have to check that box when you, like, apply. Worked yeah. here before. That one yeah. you actually have to fill out this time. That's funny. Well, I said, you know, uh, I was in one of your subsidiaries. But, you know, uh, and they said, well, did you leave on good terms? And I said, yeah, I actually did. So they said, well, great. Then it should yeah, be a problem. financial officer, back. lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh so I, I came back and uh had a uh, had a wonderful time with uh uh both Mary Baglevo and Tony Granger as well as uh, others like uh, uh Kevin Roberts uh, and uh, and others in the hallways that uh, that I knew Bill Cochran. Yep. Um so we did a great job of diversifying the client portfolio beyond just traditional CPG because that's what they were known for. Right. Uh, and we begun uh, first with some smaller industrial strength clients like uh, BASF and Avaya, uh, and then moved into um, uh, uh, winning Miller Beer, uh, winning uh, Wendy's, winning JCPenney. It was really, really, really nicely done. We were, we and that, were was during, that was during what years? That is now from uh, 2006. Oh, so you were like right in the prime for all those clients. Those clients were like the top of the world at that time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's absolutely. awesome. Uh, a lot of awards. I mean, just, uh, uh, you know, um, sort of agency of the year type uh, yeah. uh, uh, type accolades. So, uh, and I really, really, really enjoyed my time there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then I got a visit from Kevin Roberts. And uh, um, he said, James, I got good news. Uh, you know, stay in the bullpen because you're going to be our next global CFO. And wow. I was like, well, that would normally be a, a, a wonderful uh, um, 
job for anybody, uh, uh, but but I didn't want to be a CFO anymore. You right. know, I, I was now really spending my time in operations and and enjoying um, you know helping companies become more efficient, more effective in what they do. Right. Uh, uh, really understanding the business, working closely with CFOs and finance because obviously I had that understanding. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I said to myself, I guess. It's time, you know, to move on. 2011, I decide that I'm going to do something I've never done before, and I became the CEO of a small publicly traded technology company. At the time, it was called Single Touch. Later, became Cedo Mobile. Right. And I said, "This is great." So I've never been a CEO. I've never been in a publicly traded company, and I don't know anything about technology. So it sounds <laughs> like the right move for me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had a three-year contract. I stood there three and a half years. Uh, and uh, it was a you know it was a hard job. It was a hard job. We moved the company to a mobile media company. The company now trades on uh, Nasdaq uh, under the uh, uh, SITO yep. um, uh, call letters. So, um, but after after my contract ended there, I knew that I was going to get back into the, the big advertising space because it was really uh, where my passion was. So several years ago, when I was at Saatchi, I uh, sat next to. A.J. Vandercheck, Gary's younger brother, at a Seton Hall University basketball game. Yep. And uh, yeah, we just got to talking, and, and he said to me that, you know, hey, me and my brother, a couple guys, we just started a uh, social media company. And uh, I said, would you like to come down to Saatchi and see what it's like when you get bigger? And he said, yes. And I took him down. Uh, so fast forward years later, um, I'm calling A.J. just to kind of tell him that I'm going to be back in the in the big advertising space. I'm going to be back in New York City, back in the space, and we're going to probably run into each other. Right. And then he says to me, uh, hey, James, uh, have you ever met my brother Gary? And I said, no. And he said, uh, have you ever heard of my brother Gary? And I said, no. And he said, well, look, why don't you do a quick uh, Google search? He's not going to be hard to find. Yeah. And I did, and he wasn't. And he said, why don't you come in uh, for a couple minutes? He wants to meet you. So uh, I had a 15-minute meeting with him. Uh, um, you know, that was the shortest meeting I've ever had professionally. Yeah. Uh, so I leave and I get a call from AJ and he says, look, good news. Uh, he likes you. In fact, he wants to have dinner with you. And he said, but, uh, you know, he's super busy. So when he calls, it's that day, it's that time you're having dinner. Uh, you know, and, and we got to talking and he said, listen, um, I am trying to build a $500 million integrated international independent communications company. Wow. Uh, and I need somebody like you uh, to help. He said, mostly because, you know, you have 25 years in this space uh, and you've made mistakes that I don't want to have to make. Like I could learn from what it is that you've already done and, and move faster and quicker than most because I won't have to experience the pitfalls. Right. So he's like, uh, you know, can you, can you help me? I, I'm, I want a Richard Edelman kind of model. And I said, uh, yeah, I can. I said, I had breakfast with Richard Edelman yesterday. I said, I, I, I know the model. Uh, I That's said, so and, cool. uh, and I can help you. Yeah. So um, uh, so he's like, look, don't take one of those other jobs. You've been there before. Uh, come, you know, come with me. Uh, and I still didn't say yes because, you know, I, I really just didn't know him, uh, you know, when I uh, – uh, I was going to lean a little more comfortably in a position uh, that I had been in. Uh, uh, got back into the Publicis uh, family, and they were offering me some nice positions at some of their subsidiaries. Uh, and then I met with uh, some of the folks that I had worked with uh, at Interbrand in the past, and they're like, James, do you know who he is? You know, this guy Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he's, uh, 
you know, he, he's like Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg. I mean, he's he's really on the cutting edge of some stuff. And and uh, we think he actually needs somebody like you. You know, uh, look, this is a comfortable environment. You've you've you know uh, been there. We'll always take you back here. But just stop and think about it. You've been in public relations. You've been in branding. You've been in general market advertising. You've been in mobile media. The only thing you're missing is the social digital side. You know, you you go over there and get that, and you're kind of what everybody's trying to be. Right. You know, in in one man. So um, so I walked back across the street to Park Avenue and Twenty Third. That's where our offices were at the time, and uh, and I said yes. Wow. Uh, and it's been an absolute blast. That's so cool. I love that story. That's mm -hmm. so great. I, I think it would be kind of interesting to talk a little bit about like just the, lo the logistics of, of overseeing like that many people. But uh, for someone who hopes to one day kind of be in that operations role, oversee people, um, what, what is the reality of it like? Because I think a lot of people like they hear like chief operating officer. I bet you that's awesome. He works alongside Gary Vaynerchuk like he's a boss. But the reality is it's much more. Uh, complex than that and difficult and you're putting out a lot of fires so could you kind of maybe talk to, to what that experience is like on on you as a person when you're trying yeah, to so, oversee that all so um i've i've been really fortunate in a great career to have held many different chief positions right we talked about chief yep. financial officer we talked about chief operating officer chief integration officer i've been a chief administrative officer i've been a chief executive officer Right. So, your chief. Uh, you know, people ask me, so so who's your admin? I said, I don't have an admin. And they said, OK, well, who, who you know, who directly reports? you?" I said, uh, nobody directly reports to me. And they said, well, I, I don't understand. And I said, look, I'm all about efficiency modeling and I'm all about uh, doing what we do better, faster, uh, more efficient, more profitable. Um, I, you know, I'm, I don't want to be limited by two people working for me, then I'm limited to their capacity. The, the, the bigger Gary's world gets, the, the more I can get done. You know, I use yep. 800 people to get my stuff done. So I've always prided myself on uh, being a connector. Uh, you've read even some of my articles on, on uh, networking and authentic network, but I take the time to understand what it is that people do well. Uh, and then I have a unique way of seeing how that plugs in to other people in the company. So um, I do a lot of listening. Um, this is probably the most talking that I've done in a while, but uh, <laughs> you know, I do take the time. Look, let's face it, your podcast is on uh, you know, uh, creatives, right? And understanding uh, the, uh, the creative dynamic. Uh, when I went to work at Saatchi, they showed me a giant corner office on the 14th floor and they said, here's where the CFO, COO sits, and I said, um, I'm not going to sit here. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to take the very small corner, off, uh, the very small glass office next to Tony Granger, the chief creative officer. And they're like, what? Like, why would a finance or an ops guy sit on the creative floor? I said, because, you know, so much of what we do is impacted by the creative. For sure. And if I'm down here, decisions are made and then passed to me and I have to react rearview mirror wise. But if I'm up there, you know, I'm making decisions on the dashboard and, and a windshield, like forward looking decisions. I'm partnering with him for, hey, man, you know, we need to win awards on our Fortune 50 billion dollar brands, not on pro bono work. You know, right. let's let's work hard to do that now. Uh, and um, 
uh, and we did, and he and he and his team were very successful, and our clients were very happy. You know, understanding what it is that that people do well, um, and uh, and knowing how it plugs in. I mean, that's uh, I don't I don't profess to be an expert in everything, um, but you know, I could I could hold my own in conversations here as Gary builds this kingdom under Vayner X. Right. You know, which now includes a full service media department, analytics group, a video production. Uh, yes, your traditional agency strategy, account, creative, uh, but now even, uh, you know, digital publishing. So these, these are all things that, you know, I have to take some time to learn about to understand how they uh, cross pollinate. Right, for sure. I know that uh, just on the last uh, Daily V that D Rock just put out, um, you know, they were talking about uh, Gary was sitting down with a, with a group of people. I guess that was in uh, Singapore. Singapore. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, you know, about uh, you know, creative is, is the variable of success, yes. which is so funny because a lot of you know the the real exp- the expression most people use is like hard work is a variable of success, but right. without the creative, it does nothing. Right. And there and there was two uh, two key learnings uh, there. Uh, one. Um, is remember where Gary came from. Originally, it was creative is subjective, right. okay? And then he he rapidly realized as you service a Fortune 100 client base that uh, good creative becomes the price of entry. Great creative might be subjective. Right. So, uh, totally. you know, that's that's when he invested heavily on the creative side. He got a much better appreciation for, for uh, brand and the importance of brand. Um, you know, that's, uh, that is certainly what Interbrand taught me in my time there, mm-hmm. uh, the powerful impact of brand evaluations, uh, thereof. Um, uh, and then second, you mentioned Singapore, right? And I said to Gary, when he said he wanted to be a global company, I'm like, great, don't do it the way I did it. You don't need to be 31 offices in 26 countries. They're still trying to figure out how to close down places that I opened in countries, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. So I said, you know, you could service the world from a, f- a few just uh, strategic hubs. Right. So we talked about the first one being in London. And, uh, you know, we um, we p- put six people uh, on the ground there last June. And, uh, you know, we're probably uh, um, better than 50 now, approaching 60. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll likely do uh, Singapore as our Asian um, uh, footprint. Yep. You know, and... Uh, when the time is right, we'll debate where Latin America is best serviced from. One of the things that you, you had said to me um, in our initial, our first meeting, we've, spoiler alert, we've met before this, uh, in our first meeting, and it really kind of resonated with me, like even when I was like going down the elevator like at, uh, at Vayner there was like, you know, you, you said like what, what people say about you and the way that your peers think of you, whether you work there or you don't work there, that really is everything. So mm-hmm. like, like the, the, you know, Gary talks a lot about legacy, but, you know, just I, I thought that was really a great insight. What makes you valuable as an employee? I think it's consistency. Right. I think um, people don't like spiking this in their in behavior patterns or offerings. Um, I, yeah, I even tell this to my, my children. Right. Like, hey, don't you know, don't bring me an A and a D. OK. Right. If you're if you're going to be a B student, great. Just be a B student. But you know, this the spikiness of it is is what um, uh, uh, makes people uncomfortable. I, look, I go to restaurants that are um, mediocre because I know that's exactly you know I know what to expect. What disappoints me 
uh, greatly is when I go to a, a restaurant, I have a great meal, and then I recommend that I go back with somebody else, and it's a horrible meal. You know right. what I mean? That that spikiness is is uh, not what makes uh, makes you comfortable. So Gary says this all the time, right? Not every I'm the team is made up of A, B, and C. Uh, you know, players in some way, shape, or form because not everybody could be an alpha leader. Right. Like, how are you going to have an army if everybody wants to be a general? Like, right, you know, right, right. How, how do we get this stuff done? Being the so, number three or the number four, not being. Yeah, the entrepreneur, absolutely. Yeah. And what I love about Gary uh, as a boss and as a person is he doesn't expect anybody to really mirror him. He advises, he, uh, you know, uh, people ask me, but does he sleep? I'm like, yeah, he sleeps, but he just gets more stuff done when he's awake than any human that I've ever seen. Right. You know, so uh, but. My wife, my kids, they know. I said, listen, when Gary's in town, I'm on call. All bets are off. You know, if he's texting me, I'm going to step out of a room and I'm going to deal with it at that moment because I know how precious his time is. Uh, and I uh, look to make that most efficient for him, right. whether that's, uh, you know, and, and half the stuff that I do form is not because he's asked it's because i am observing and i know that this would go he's he's perfectly content taking ubers you know what i mean but it was <laughs> yeah. more efficient to have a car and a driver you know what right. i mean like it's just uh, the efficiency of it trumps it uh you know he doesn't want to fly private he's great on commercial but in some of those smaller markets can we really lose three or four hours while he waits around in an airport right. you know what i mean in freaking uh um uh, you know georgia or something like that no we got to get him in and get him out so right. so those are the you know i'm an enabler right. um and um uh, you know having been a number one i'm probably the only one in the building that can relate to the pressures of being a number one because i have been a ceo Right. You know, and and I would have loved to have somebody like me as the number two. Right. Totally. You know, in, in fact, um, I, I read a book uh, called uh, Consigliere Ruling from the Shadows written by Richard Heitner. That's and it's awesome. about being a great number two. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like, look, you don't have you don't have to be, you know, the the, the guy who's got the bullseye on your back. Right. Um, you know, recognizing that it takes a team. Uh, to do this, any any one of these founders of uh, you know Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, they'll they'll all tell you there's a team of people behind them, right? You're looking right. at the first, and Gary will be the first to, to tell you we're all on Gary's team. There's 800 people here yeah, that are, that bought into the vision, you know, of of what he is uh, trying to create. You know what I mean? He's uh, he's not done, and and we celebrate when you know when uh, what he's created wins, and you know we lick our wounds if uh, if we lose, and figure out how to get back in the game. We don't go home; we just figure out how to get right. back in the game but again. People ask me all the time, so what keeps you up at night? And right. I think I may have shared this when you were here. And I said, what keeps me up at night is how do we not become what it is that we're making fun of, right? We, we don't want to be the traditional agency model, but yet you're servicing a Fortune 50 client base, you're dealing with their procurements, you know, uh, the guy before you is anomaly, the guy after you is BBDO, there's yep. an expectation there. So we fight every day to be something different. Um, you know, oftentimes when I'm sharing learnings, whether they're from Saatchi or MSNL or, or uh, Interbrand, uh, what I say is, listen, I'm gonna show you how we did it there, but I don't want you to replicate how we did it there. Right. We got to come up with a better way of uh, of doing it. There's a there's a uh, advice that I gave. In fact, I gave it to a friend of mine just today on the way in. 
who's based in Florida. And the advice was work for a person, not a company. Yep. Pick a pick a boss that you want to work for and not a company that you want to be in. Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. Because you'll have, yeah, you'll, you'll have a, you'll have a great life. Um, you know, if, uh, if the person, uh, who you're working for really is aligned with, uh, you know, with, um, your, your, uh, morals, your integrity, your professional development, you know, think about it, a promise from a guy who I worked for at KPMG, right? If, if you come someday You'll be the CFO of a worldwide company that is yet to be built. Right. All right. But I worked for that guy at KPMG. His name is Marty Franken. He he, uh, he sits on top of uh, uh, CMG, a two billion dollar operation, as part of Interpublic today. Yep. But you know, it was because I I trusted that man. Uh, you know, um, I went back to work for Saatchi twice. How about the fact that I am in touch with every boss that I've ever had in a thirty year career? Right. Literally in my cell phone. That's crazy. No I got a call uh, a week ago from um, my boss from Goldman Sachs 30 years ago, right? So I haven't worked for this guy in, in whatever it was, uh, um, better part of 30 years. And right. he said, James, you're never going to believe this. I was traveling with uh, two couples to, throughout Southeast Asia. And, um, uh, you know, uh, one couple I knew, one I didn't. Uh, you, you know, they were from Long Island. I'm, um, um, you know, up in, uh, Nyack or Westchester, wherever he's from. My neck of the woods. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're out to dinner in Vietnam and I knew the guy was in public relations and, and at the dinner he tells me, and, and, you know, by the way, I used to work for Saatchi. Uh, and this guy, you know, this guy says, gee, I know a guy who worked for me at Goldman Sachs 30 years ago. Uh, he went to work for Saatchi. His name is James Orsini. And, and, and the other guy says, James Orsini, I, I was global CEO of Roland Worldwide. He worked for me too. Wow. Two of my bosses, one from 30 years ago, one from 20 years ago, at the same dinner table in Vietnam. Now, That's I mean, so crazy. very serendipitous, right? But fortunately, uh, you know, the time I gave them was great time. And even upon leaving, I left on the best terms. Um, and I was still friends with both of them. So, you know, there was never going to be an awkward situation. It wasn't like somebody was going to say something bad about me there. Right. Well, I have a 30 year career of Good karma. Know, more people throwing rose petals than throwing rocks. Let's put it that way. Exactly. I love that. But I've been kind of having that recently where it's, where it's like you kind of learn. I think it was my wedding that made me think this. Cause like when you have a wedding, you kind of have to make the list and the seating chart and, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's a very clear, like this is who is the most important people in my life. Right. I think your career is kind of like that too. And along the way you kind of like get like people that are like fat, if you will. But then there are those core players who change your life. Now I'm trying to only surround myself with those people. So, um, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. you know, part of, uh, part of what I wrote in the article about networking, uh, uh, the authentic network was really, uh, and then helping people, not necessarily because there's something in it for you, but because you're in a position to do it, right? right? And that's what Gary's about. Um, and that's what uh, now we have, even with our alumni program, people that have exited, that have left us, that we try to, you know, help update their resume, uh, work on their um, their LinkedIn profile, uh, uh, position them for other opportunities that come up. Uh, you know, it's, uh, taking care of people who have been uh, in his world, yep. you know, and it's so closely aligned with my DNA anyway, that for me, it's just such a natural 
thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, that uh, it, it just comes easily. Yeah, for sure. Steve mm-hmm. Campbell is one, of the, one that comes to mind when I think about uh, notable alumni. That was really cool kind of talking to him and just Absolutely. seeing how you guys are still really close with him. That's like, that was one of the, the big things I really liked about your company was seeing that like he went off to do his own thing, very similar to like what you guys were doing and you guys like supported him and encouraged that. I thought that was just like, such a class act and so many companies wouldn't do that. I think that's kind yep. of a uh, great example of the kind of company that VaynerMedia is. It's like, you want to go do your own thing? Like we support you. We're all here. And that's cool. Yeah, And, th- and that's, that's what the company differentiates of the future, him think, in, the, you know? in this, in this space. And in really most spaces is, you know, he's, he's all about, you know, that from your time with Claude, he's all about culture. He's all about the people. Yep. He's all about empathy. Uh, and, and it's remarkable to see him walk through the hallways and, and, you know, touch a rank and file and be like, how's your, how's your brother's arm doing? I know, you know, it was hurt. Like right. he's like a politician. He just remembers everything yeah. about everybody. You know, it's remarkable. That's um, you know, he was the first, well, my father died a year ago, uh, uh, this week. He was the first call where I was bedside. I mean, I'm talking like they were just taking the uh, plugs and wires off right. and my phone rang and it was Gary. Wow. Like how he knew, who told them that, you know, I, obviously I told people I was leaving the office because I got the call from the hospital. Right. But, but you know, he was he was the first one. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of wild, man. It's just kind of wild. Yeah, for sure. By the way, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and I read that article about your dad. He seemed like an amazing person. Talking, talking about like empathy and, and, and doing the right thing, good karma, you know, having good karma, all this stuff. But, all, but also, you know, trying to... I'll give you some perspective. I'm, I'm 26 years old. I'm in a position where I'm like meeting a lot of people, obviously, um, and trying to, to find my way and find what I like tasting, if you will. Um, but what do you do when you're in a position where you're, you're not sure, you're kind of like living in, in limbo, if you will, but, mm-hmm. but I feel really good about the things that are going on. So I'm talking to people like you, people like Claude, Cy Wakeman. Is it normal to be, in your, to be in your 20s and kind of just be in this like weird like – kind of out there like i know that the future looks great but as of right now i have very little to show for it if you will but i feel yeah, good I think, about my, uh, where i'm going i think what gary will say is you know how does how does your passion become your profession right right uh, and and the time to do it he believes is in your 20s okay yeah. It's it's not necessarily in your in your forties when you're saving for you know kids college and you got the mortgage on your back and all that other stuff. Okay, right. probably probably less time to explore. Although in his most recent posts, he's talking to people over fifty, saying, "Look, it's not too late. You know, you don't have to be uh, scaling back at fifty, right. realizing that you know most of us now are going to live uh, well into our eighties. So, you know, are you going to be in coast mode for 30 years? I mean, yep. seriously, take care of yourself, eat right, do your exercise, and, um, and make sure you're doing something that, that you really, really like. For, for sure. me, uh, business was always my passion. Like, even on vacation, you know, I'm reading business books and, and you know, Wall Street Journal. People are like, come on, you're on a beach. And I'm like, yeah, but this is what this I is enjoy. my jam, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is what I, what I enjoy. And I'm what I do the same thing, yeah. is I share content with that regularly with, with people, which is how my network gets even bigger. Today, I texted a guy because, uh, you know, I, I met him a couple weeks ago and I said, what's going on? He told me that he was... Um, uh, he was doing, um, uh, thinking about uh, getting into a um, uh, a Chick Fil A uh, kind right. of thing. Like a franchise. Uh, sort of so, so today in the Wall Street Journal, 
I saw that the, there's a franchise expo in Los, in Los Angeles, um, you know, uh, November 2nd through the 4th. And the headline says, I've always wanted to open a, a restaurant. Uh, I took a picture of, of that article in the Wall Street Journal, that little uh, um, uh, classified ad. And I texted it to this guy. Thought you might be of interest. Okay. Uh, you know, a guy I, don't, I certainly don't see often, but, you know, what I have found is that people love when I'm thinking about them and helping them succeed. What we're doing right here, I know this is your passion. I'm not a creative, obviously, but, but you know, um, this in some way, shape or form should help you. I'm in a position to help. It's totally. my lunch hour. And, you know, am I willing to give up a lunch to help somebody who's trying to, you know, trying to get on their feet? Yeah, now, I appreciate you know, that. Thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and I never know what's going to happen. What, what if what, this podcasting that Gary's building really takes off and now we need 20 people in that? Well, having somebody, you know, like like you who, who you know, has some experience in it. Right. You never know. You may think you're entering the hallway as a designer and instead you enter you know, as a podcast. Uh, well, that's uh, what I've been realizing. Yeah. That's the perfect segue for what I was just about to say. Cause like, that's, that's how I feel right now. Cause I'm, I've been teetering on this thing of like trying to find my way as like an, I, I want to be in my mind. I want to be like an operator, really great designer. Like, you know, Steve Bob, Babcock's a great example of that or someone mm -hmm. like him. Right. But, but like I, my thing, my wall street journal, quote unquote, has become this podcast. But it's yeah. weird because I can't make this into a thriving business yet. But if this stupid microphone Skype setup that I have affords me these opportunities like to talk to people like yourself and to do these kind of things, and I'm so wildly passionate about it, I've been questioning myself lately like, you know, like how about you just stick with like the podcast thing? But it's, it's Absolutely. weird. It's a weird Rather time than to be trying to be a designer in an agency, why don't you, you know, uh, do some stuff in the podcast landscape, you know? Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, some of that I might be able to help you with, you know, in, because there's, there's really few doing it well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Gary's doubling down on voice. We're spending a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, um, um, how to do more, not only in the podcast spaces, but obviously uh, in the uh, Alexa, uh, you know, home and, and Google home type uh, um, voice activation. I mean, he's uh, he's big on that. He uh, he, he believes that there's uh, there's going to be a, a resurgence of, uh, of that radio never died. You know, that was a funny thing that people always used to say to me. I, I'll never forget when I was when I was at Roland and the Internet came out, people would hand me their print brochure and say, put this online. Um, when I was at Saatchi and digital came out, they were like, well, that's the death of television. You know, James, what are you going to do? And right. I was still making $120 million from television commercials. Like, <laughs> you know, and I said, listen, you're those it's guys just, that Gary talks about. That's so funny. Yeah, it's just additive. Remember, you know, when, when radio came out, it didn't do away with newspaper. When television came out, it didn't do away with radio. When it's the, the internet came out, it didn't do away with, it, with television. Uh, when the mobile phone came out, it's not doing away. We're not going to watch the Super Bowl for four and a half hours on our mobile phone. Right. That's not what you're going to do. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, it is, it is all additive. Uh, in fact, I remember being at a conference once. I heard somebody say uh, to the CEO of um, uh, what was it? It wasn't. It, it was Reuters, CEO of Reuters, and they right. said, "Hey, uh, aren't you concerned with the demise of print?" And the guy looked at him very strangely, and he said, uh, um, "No, it, it, it's all writing. Writing is not going away. Story. We used to we used to paint 
on cave walls, uh, and then we wrote on paper, and now we uh, write on tablets. Writing is not going away. Next question. And he just totally dismissed the guy, who, <laughs> you know, who who was you know really coming after something. So yeah, um, advertising is not going away. Stop right. and think about all these great platforms, right? Like uh, Facebook, Instagram, they can't, they can't make money unless they revert to a 150-year-old model of advertising. Exactly. Right? So true. That's, that's, it, it's not going anywhere. So now the question well, is- it's a romantic note. It's, real quick though, I just want to say, I, I, I totally agree with you, but I, I know a lot of people on the design side. And, and when I first came out, it sounded like very cool to say that like, it's all about design. Advertising's dead. And the, there's these kind of like these headlines, right? But I really do. I really do think that it's like Gary says. It's the same thing about like writing the letter versus like sending the email. That the note is the same. The medium is the same. Right. It's the same thing like with advertising. I talked about this with Greg Hahn on the podcast from uh, Chief uh, Creative Officer at BBDO. Storytelling is storytelling is storytelling, and there's gonna, there's always a place for that. It's been like that for thousands of years, and it's not going to change because the mediums have changed. It's just well, let, let's talk about that because that one I beg to differ on. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's what he said. When you see the most recent results that were put out from WPP, okay, yeah. which are pretty dismal, um, and you hear uh, somebody like Marty Sorrell speak about the fact that. Uh, I've, I've built a conglomerate of storytelling companies, and it's now apparent to me that the story sharer will be the winner. People don't want to be told a story. People want to take part in and share the story. That's, right? that's what we do here at VaynerMedia. Yeah, right? so, that's great. So it's all about story sharing. Now let me talk to you about the importance of design because I've seen it firsthand. See, this is the beauty about having the depth and breadth of the experiences that I've had, right? Yeah, so, totally. so when I was at Interbrand, uh, we worked for A and P, and they had some in-store brands, right? Uh, the the um, America's uh, Choice, was it? yeah, White Label, America's Choice and Master's Choice, exactly. Um, and Day. at one time, we redesigned the yogurts. Um, now, we did not change the price point. We did not change the content of the product. We did not put new and improved on the label. We simply did better design, and we watched the sales increase by 20% on that product. So don't underestimate the power of design uh, and what it, what it can do. James Arsini, thank you so much. This has been incredible. I was super nervous for this one. I gotta be, gotta be honest, I was afraid that I was like, I was, I, I'm, is this the time that I'm over my head? But this has been a wonderful conversation, and thank you for spending your, uh, your lunch with me. I really appreciate that. This is now twice yeah, you spent your lunch with me, so it's very cool. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. I hope uh, your audience enjoys what they've heard today. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna be sure to uh, to link up uh, your Medium uh, articles on there. They're really great. I'm gonna put that in the comment section. Uh, somebody great. called me on that recently. I always say that and I never do it. It's weird. <laughs> They're like, you don't actually put it in the comment section, but I will do it now. Uh, I where else can people find it. you? I know that you have a, like a personal account, so you don't have to give that away. But if you have anything you want to plug, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm uh, Jimmy the Pencil on Twitter. I love that name. James uh, Orsini on both uh, Snapchat and Instagram. That's so cool. Uh, thank you so much for your time.